Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. I want to invite you to turn with me to Mark chapter 8. I want to jump right in. Mark chapter 8. I want to read from verse 14 to 21. And... uh, This is an interesting passage of Scripture that you may not have ever encountered before. Um, I'm reading from the uh, ESV version and uh, says in verse 14, Now they, that is the disciples, had forgotten to bring bread and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And He cautioned them, being Jesus, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? Today I wanna speak to you in these two morning services on the miracle mindset. The miracle mindset. It was a Monday morning early last year that I received a number of phone calls and messages on my phone. I was on my Sabbath, on my day off, and, and I was out exercising. And when I got back to my phone, there was about a dozen phone messages and texts. And it was to tell me that my uh, father had had an acute stroke, his second stroke in about 20 years. And the neighbour uh, was um, happened to stumble across him. He was out in the front yard and uh, called the paramedics and he was rushed to emergency. And to cut a long story short, by the time I got to emergency a couple of hours later, he was completely unresponsive. Um, paralyzed, anyone who's ever seen a stroke victim or maybe you've had one and recovered or maybe family members have had it, uh, it's a significant thing. And uh, he was paralyzed down his left side, unresponsive, couldn't talk and uh, it was not looking good. And uh, the doctors were doing lots of tests and scans and I walked in and he was about to be taken away for another scan and I laid hands upon my dad's head and prayed a very simple prayer in the name of Jesus. As I prayed that prayer, nothing was happening. As I took my hands away, still nothing happened. I wonder if you've ever prayed for someone, you've heard all the messages, listened to all the podcasts, prayed all the prayers and nothing happens. Am I the only unspiritual person in the room? Uh, But I reckon we've all been there in those moments. And you have the audacity as a church and we as followers of Jesus have the audacity to say, hey, we wanna be a community of miracles and revival, that we are believers, right? Uh, And yet, what do you do with the tension and the contradiction of believing and praying and yet not seeing in the immediate. And there is a mystery to faith, there's a mystery to the miraculous working power of the Kingdom of God that we need to hold in tension. And so after I prayed, nothing happened, unresponsive. And that has happened to me before, but 
when it's a bit closer to home and it's your loved ones and it's your family, the reality of that kicks in a little bit more. And all of a sudden, this faith-filled man of God became a little bit anxious, a little bit worried, a little bit fearful. And my uh, father was taken in to uh, a scan and I waited in the room and within 30 minutes, he was brought back. To my amazement, true story, as he was wheeled back in on the hospital gurney, he was sitting upright in bed with a smile on his face. His body was no longer contorted. His paralyzed limbs, he was now moving his left arm furiously around. And he looked at me and he said, how are you, son? I said, much better now. And the doctors were wheeling him in, the specialist, with this bewildered look on their face, like this shouldn't be happening. The neighbour who was there, who was a nominal believer, was sort of going, <clears throat> literally her mouth was open. She said, you prayed, you prayed, you did this. I go, well, not exactly. Um, Jesus did it. But, but in that moment, for the next few hours, specialists came in, speech pathologists, or they did all the necessary tests, and they said that during the scan, he sat upright in the bed and had a lucid conversation with the doctor. And over the next 48 hours, as they observed him and tested him, within 30 minutes, they said, all strength, all cognitive capacity had returned to his body, and he got up and walked out of that hospital. Now, I wish that would happen every time, but it doesn't happen every time. And so the question is, how do we approach the kingdom of God as followers of Jesus in a way where miracles aren't just the exception, they're the norm? I believe Mark chapter eight has some answers for us. In Mark chapter eight, Jesus has just performed a miracle of multiplication. 4,000 people had gathered to hear Jesus teach for three solid days without food, which is a little bit hilarious when we find ourselves in a generation where the modern uh, believer, the average church, can't handle more than 30 minutes of teaching before they have to go searching for a cafe to get a coffee and lunch. And we've made it convenient for you here at Influencers. We've got a cafe out in the foyer. And so we want you to hang around the house of God as much as possible. Uh, but here's 4,000 people for three days listening to Jesus' teaching. And, and Jesus has compassion on them, which actually became the catalyst for the miraculous. When your heart and my heart gets broken by the things that break the heart of God, we actually become candidates for the supernatural miracle working power of the kingdom of God. The disciples see the 4,000 people, the seven loaves and three fish, and all they see is a problem. There's no Baker's Delight, there's no GYG, uh, there, there, there's no 7-Eleven. There's none of the modern conveniences of restaurants and cafes that you and I have access to. And so all they see is the problem. Jesus, on the other hand, sees a solution. He sees 4,000 people. He sees seven loaves and three fish. And he says, this is an opportunity for the kingdom of heaven to break in. The miracle mindset sees solutions where others see problems. 
Every problem is an opportunity for God to show Himself strong on our behalf. So the next time you face a contradiction, the next time you face a problem, rather than simply looking at the issue at hand, you've got to ask the question, God, whom do you want to be for me right now in my life? Where do you want to show yourself strong right now in my life? The miracle mindset is not paralysed by the problem, it's expectant for a solution. Now you would think that after the multiplication of the loaves and fishes, that the disciples would begin to learn from the miracle, but they're like us. They quickly forgot what God did just a chapter before. They forgot what God, we forget what God does last week, let alone what God, you know, is up to right now in our life. And so now they're in a boat and they're arguing and discussing the fact that they've got no bread. They've only got a loaf of bread for 12 men and that's an issue. Anyone who's ever had to feed a man, no, one loaf of bread for a dozen blokes, Aussie blokes, that's a problem. And so here they are and they're arguing and and talking about this issue. They're, They're discussing the lack of bread. Note this, when the bread of life is standing right in front of them. Jesus said in John 6.35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger or thirst. You know, too often I think we're fighting over the scraps when God's prepared a feast for us. The Bible says in Psalm 23, 5, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. I just wanna say to someone today, if God can prepare a feast for you in the presence of your greatest adversary, He can supply your need. He can move in your life. He's a miracle working God who wants you to access the vast resources that are available in the Kingdom of God. I once heard a father talk about how his foster kids turned up and the first time at the dinner table with his biological kids and food came out the table and they, with their hands, not cutlery, just started to devour the food, picking casserole up with their hands, picking this up with their hands and they're shoving it in. And he saw the difference. His biological kids knew there's more than enough. There's more than enough food. Just take a chill pill, take your time. You don't need to devour that thing. You don't need to be a beggar. There's more than enough. It'll keep coming out. But these foster kids had lived in environments where there was always lack. And so because they had a lack mindset, they operated like beggars. I wanna tell you today that people who carry an orphan spirit will approach life with a lack mindset when it comes to their relationship with God. Where spiritually, we're like Oliver Twists. Some of you wouldn't even know who that is, but that's an old story about a young child who was a beggar who just would hope and please, would you give me some more to meet my need? And and if we don't understand who we are in Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ has done for us, not just in the cross, but in that empty tomb, we will operate out of a beggar spirit, failing to realise the reality of David's words in Psalm 37, 25. I've been young and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. You see, the miracle mindset approaches earthly realities 
from a heavenly perspective. You might have heard of this saying, oh, that person is so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly use. Ever heard that saying? I think the opposite is true. That person is so earthly minded, they're of no heavenly use. People who know their identity in Christ know they have access to the fullness of the kingdom of heaven. Now stay with me, Romans 8.32 gives us a really interesting insight. Paul says, he who did not spare his own son, how will he not also graciously give us all things? Once God gave us Jesus, you've lost every right to begin any thought process with lack. Because the same God who gave us Jesus is the same God that uh, Pastor Alice, I think it is, is that right? Pastor Alice shared with us in the tithes and offerings is the same God who is the giver of every good and perfect gift coming down from the Father of lights of whom there is no shadow or variation due to change. So if God's given you Jesus, He's very best. Why are we to question that He won't intervene, that He won't move, that He won't help us in whatever lack we are facing in our life? Matthew 7, 11 says, if you then being sinful know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give good things or the Holy Spirit, which is the ultimate gift to those who ask? So any thought process that begins with lack, when it comes to our circumstances, will ultimately need to be repented of because God cannot build anything of substance in the kingdom of God from a thought or a mindset of lack. He said, who do people say that I am? Some say John the Baptist, some say one of the major prophets. Who do you say that I am? Peter has a revelation. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, on that revelation, I am gonna build something of substance called my church where we lack a revelation of who Jesus is in all of His fullness. We actually uh, remove ourselves from being positioned to be built upon of something of the kingdom of God in our lives. Romans 8, 6 says this, the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. So the miracle mindset begins every thought process with fullness, not lack. Verse 17, Jesus challenges the disciples thinking and He says, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Now, Jesus confronts the disciples thinking as He confronts our thinking, not to shame us and not to punish us, but to actually train us to think more like God. Because Jesus wants us to have access as His sons and daughters to what He has access to. But if you're going to access the ways of God, you need to begin to think like God. Isaiah 55 says, My thoughts aren't your thoughts. My ways aren't your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts, so are my ways. And so many people want the ways of God, but you can't access it if you're not thinking the thoughts of God. And so being a follower of Jesus, being a student, being a disciple, which actually means a student, 
student or a follower, a learner means that we're learning to think like Jesus. We're learning to operate according to the mindset of how Jesus operated when He was on earth as a picture of the Father, so He could move with the Father in the power of the Spirit, the miracle working power of the Kingdom of God was extended and available to Him and He had the audacity to say, even greater works than these will you and I do as His followers? It's a common question by many believers, why don't we see more miracles in the Western church, in the modern church? I think in part, there's various reasons for that, but I think in part, Jesus answers it in this passage with, and the answer is, why don't we often see it more? It's because of our hard hearts. If your default response to miracles and talk of supernatural activity when it comes to the kingdom of God is cynicism and complacency, it could be you have a hard heart. I had a lady come to us uh, at one of our locations recently and she approached me in tears at the altar as people were coming down and she said, can you please pray for me? I used to believe this stuff, but I've got a hard heart. I've developed a hard heart. And, I, and ever since I've developed that hard heart, I haven't seen any of the miracles or the things that I used to see. Can you please pray for us? She says, we've got a hard heart. And right there in that moment, the words of Jesus in Matthew 4, 17, when Jesus came preaching, He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That word repentance comes from the Greek word metanoia. It means change of mind, change of heart. This is what He's saying. If you're gonna access the kingdom of heaven, you're gonna need a change of thinking. You're gonna need a change of heart. You're gonna need to think differently. You're gonna need to approach life differently. You can't access the kingdom with carnal worldly thinking. It's not just about your faith, it's about your mind coming into alignment with your new creation reality so we can get out of the way and the Holy Spirit can have His say in our life because after you get saved and regenerated by the Holy Spirit, the greatest transformation that happens in a believer's life is in their thinking. That's why the Bible says in Romans 12 too, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. This world tries to shape us and shift us and mould us and squeeze us into a pattern of thinking that actually shuts off the kingdom of heaven from us. But the renewed mind is the conduit through which God invades this planet with His will. And you may say, well, what about faith? Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But he who comes to God must believe that He exists and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Yes, true, absolutely, I love it. But the reality is you will never consistently believe for the miraculous if your mind isn't renewed to think like God. You can talk about faith all you want, but if at the very core of your mind, you're not renewed in your thinking. You don't yet perceive or understand that which Jesus is trying to teach His disciples, where He's trying to say to them, hey, there's a time coming where I am not gonna be here in the flesh, but I'm gonna send my Holy Spirit and I'm gonna need you. If you're gonna access the miracle working power of the Kingdom of Heaven, you need to engage in a transformed mind. Says something interesting in the passage. He warns the disciples against two mindsets 
that will deny us access to the power of God. And these two mindsets is the religious mindset and the political mindset. He deals with this in verse 15. He says in verse 15, he cautioned them saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, I don't know about you, but here I am a disciple. If you and I were disciples and we're in the boat and we're discussing the fact that we've got no bread or only one loaf of bread and all of a sudden Jesus just pops up and says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. I'd be like, Jesus, you're so heavenly minded. You're of no earthly use. Don't you see the reality of what it is that we're facing here? We've got no bread and you're here warning us of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. But you see, you need to understand the genius of Jesus. Jesus can take a loaf of bread and point us to a spiritual principle that will actually help us live the kingdom life of a community of miracles and revival that God is calling us to. Leaven in this context is a worldview. It's a mindset. It's a paradigm of thinking. And so I'm not exactly the master chef, but I know this, heat will activate whatever leaven is in the dough. That tells me that when the pressures of life and the problems of life come our way, it will always reveal and bring to the surface of our lives whatever paradigm or worldview of thinking we approach life with. Have you discovered you find out what you really believe when stress comes your way? when problems come your way, when issues come your way, we find out real quick whether we really do believe God's Word or we are just spectators of others who espouse God's Word. We find out whether this is an internal conviction or an external observance. And so Jesus warns and speaks of leaven as a mindset Two times in this passage, and in Matthew 13, he talks about the leaven of the kingdom or the worldview of the kingdom. Now, in this passage, firstly, he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. What's the leaven of the Pharisees? The Pharisees were the religious leaders. They were those in authority, given the job to uphold the law. And basically, they had a belief in God, but that belief in God was impersonal, It was disconnected from relationship with God and so therefore it was powerless. He's saying, if you wanna access the miracle working power that just produced this miracle, you're gonna make sure that your faith in God is intimate. It's relational. It's connected. It's not simply external religious observance of signs and and rules and regulations but it's a living, breathing reality every day of your life. Then he says, beware of the leaven of Herod. Now, Herod was a political leader. And the political mindset is this, we don't mind you having belief in God, just don't bring it into the public space. Keep it private in your closet. Don't let it dictate or inform any decisions that you may make in your life. Why? Because we're educated, don't you know, and we have all the answers. And with enough education and with enough information, we can solve all of the problems that are going on in the world. And I just go, how's that going for you? We're living 
in a broken, chaotic world right now, filled with more education and more information, which praise God for. Get as educated as you can. God's given us a brain to use. So be informed, be educated, get, get skilled and everything that you can. But Jesus is saying, you wanna access the kingdom of heaven, it's gonna take more than just simple information and education. I, I say to people, if your education is greater than your revelation, you're not gonna live a miracle life in, in relationship with God. And so he's saying, don't let your belief simply become a compartment on Sunday for 90 minutes. The leaven of the kingdom in Matthew 13 is where faith in God is at the very heart of all of our decisions. It's all of our life. That faith in Jesus is an intimate relationship that defines everything. A Hebrew understanding of faith is God is at the centre and my whole life revolves around my relationship with God. An Eastern or should I say a Western sort of Greek approach to faith is faith is one room of my life. Faith is one compartment of my life. And, and I just wanna tell you today, when, when Jesus invited us to follow Him, it was not just follow me in one area of your life. You don't do church and then that's my kingdom business for the week. No, we are the church. We are followers of Jesus. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. The common denominator between the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod is that they're both motivated by the fear of man. The Pharisees refused to answer Jesus' question lest the crowd turn on them. Pilate crucified Jesus without any evidence lest the Jews complain to Caesar and it looked bad on Pilate. And so what fear of man will do, it will always attract whatever information is needed to legitimise its existence. The fear of man can never access the power of God because it doesn't simply believe that Jesus Christ is enough. Romans 14, 23 says, whatever doesn't proceed from faith is sin. See, the miracle mindset believes God can do more with my little than I could ever do with much. And Jesus begins to unpack this in verse 19. Stay with me, is this helping anyone today? Not boring you, you ready for a coffee or? Verse 19, it says this. When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, note this, stick with me. When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? So check this out. When Jesus fed the most people, he started with the least amount of food. But he ended up with the most leftovers. So that tells me that starting with more is not an advantage in the kingdom of God. Little turns into much when it's in God's hands. The loaves and fishes in the little boy's hands not gonna produce much. But the loaves and fishes in Jesus' hands becomes a miracle that is multiplied to feed the masses. We belong to an upside down kingdom. This kingdom is where the jar of oil never runs out. This kingdom is where ravens come and feed the prophet while he's by the brook. 
This kingdom is a kingdom where water comes out of a rock. This kingdom is where a few loaves and fish feed and uh, get multiplied and feed the masses. This kingdom is where you can go to a fish and a gold coin tax will be in its mouth. This kingdom is where saliva and mud that comes together can open blind man's eyes. So if this is the upside down kingdom that you and I belong to, then we've got to have upside down thinking to the carnal ways of the world and the systems of the world to begin to think like God is if we're going to access the miracle working power of the kingdom of heaven. Miracles are not based on how strong you are or how adequate you are, but how sufficient He is. And so until you and I acknowledge our inability to do anything, will you access God's ability to do everything? The more we pump ourselves up and drink the Kool-Aid of humanism and pride ourselves on our achievements, the more distant we are becoming from the very miracle working power of the Kingdom of God that is available and accessible to us. It's in our weakness, His strength is made perfect. You see, in the Kingdom, God only uses you to the extent that you feel unqualified. And so if you are un- feel unqualified today, welcome to the family. Because the more unqualified you feel, the more you run to Him and are totally dependent upon Him. The more qualified you feel and the more prideful you are about your accomplishments, the further you get away from being dependent upon Him. People who feel unqualified get down on their knees and pray. People who don't feel like they're, they're, they've got the answers are completely, no, they're, they're searching the Scriptures. Jesus, would you speak to me? The people who are comfortable in their Christianity, people who, who are complacent in their faith, don't see many miracles because, you know, well, it's business as usual and I don't really need much and, and uh, you know, I'm doing all right in my job and my career and, and But you've said you wanna be a community of miracles and revival. Jesus said even greater works than these will you do. So we're not gonna access it the more that we're dependent upon ourselves, but the more that we depend upon His sufficiency. 1 Corinthians 1.27, the Bible says, God's chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wisdom of the wise. Why is that? It's so that for all eternity, we will give glory to God because none of us can receive anything unless it's given to them from heaven. Jesus said this, Matthew eleven twenty five. 25, I thank you, Father, that you've hidden these things from the wise and you've revealed them to little children. What's He saying? You've hidden the truths, the secrets, the power of the kingdom from the wise of this age from the self-sufficient, from the prideful. And you've revealed them to those who are like little kids. Humility, dependence. What characterises children is that they just believe everything their parents say. They're humble, they're, they're dependent. And Jesus says, you wanna access the kingdom? Take on that posture. Take on that heart. We had a lady, um, just before uh, lockdown 763 in Melbourne. Um, it's actually hard to believe that we've all 
gone through what we've gone through. But we had a lady hop into a, an Uber uh, vehicle and requested to be taken to a medical clinic of specialists to um, be treated. She had a walking cane with her. She was limping, couldn't walk properly, all these issues. And she was using the Uber driver as a counselling session to tell the Uber driver who happened to go to our church all that was going on. The Uber driver built up the boldness and audacity to say, hey, you need to get to Numa Church, our church. People are getting healed there. She, she started to ask questions, hadn't been to church before. He said, in fact, right now there's a prayer meeting and just last week, pe- people were getting healed there. You, you should go. She goes, well, before we go to the medical clinic, can we go to the prayer meeting? This is a true story. So she turns up with her walking cane and one of our team, after five minutes of her being there, just prayed a gentle prayer in Jesus' name. I saw this with my own eyes. She throws the cane away and starts to walk around the room without a limp. I said, we said, do you have pain? She goes, no pain. Comes back. She's not even a believer or a follower of Jesus, according to the traditional definition. She just shows up and she's hungry. She's expectant. Turns up on Sunday with her boyfriend, her partner, gives her heart to Jesus. After lunch that day, Kai and I are walking across the road to get some lunch. Here she is, full workout gear, right? With the biggest smile on her face, bounding down Bridge Road, Melbourne. And right there in that moment, you're like, miracles are still on the menu. God is still moving. We serve and we love a miracle working God. Miracles can become normal, but they only become normal when our minds are renewed to think like God. And if you're in a situation or a circumstance right now where your eyes can't see the breakthrough, your ears can't even hear it, you need to remind yourself of what God has done in the past. Because the Bible says in Psalm 119, 111, your testimonies, O God, are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. You know what that means? It means every miracle in the Bible, every supernatural happening and activity is your inheritance as a follower of Christ and a believer in Jesus. And so when the Red Sea parted and the sun stood still and Lazarus was raised from the dead and water was turned into wine, the lame beggar was uh, made well, that jar of oil never run out. When I can't see, when I can't recall something in the natural in front of me and I'm faced with something, I go back to my heritage. I go back to my testimonies, the testimonies of the Kingdom of God. And I remind myself, God, you, you raise the dead. You open blind eyes. So in this situation with my father, God, although I can't see right now, I recall what you once did. And I speak the Name of Jesus over your body. And 30 minutes later, His whole life is turned around. Do you know that Sunday, my dad was on the prayer line praying for sick people to be healed and people were getting healed because the renewed mind is the conduit, the pipeline that faith for miracles flows through. I wanna invite you to stand your feet with me. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. 
And I want to tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past, and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did, And when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father. He's a friend. And you can invite Him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm going to say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what? Maybe He's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy, and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace and the word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey. Why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you. And we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.